Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, Joe Biden is out at a uh, picket line with some uh, Republicans, some MAGA people, it looks like. He's just surrounded by a sea of red coats. Oh, no, they're the British. And so uh, Joe Biden was up there and he said through a megaphone. And the crowd went wild. So. I don't know. Now he's just kind of staring off into the distance. And now he fell. No, I'm kidding. He didn't fall. He almost fell getting off the plane. He did almost fall getting off the plane. But he caught himself. Now he's just kind of looking around. He's not really sure where to go. Go and now, oh, he grabbed a, he's got a kid. Oh no, that's just a small person. I don't have my glasses on. Sorry. So I'm looking at this, uh, I'm looking at the monitor. Somebody's talking, they're saying nice things about him or something. He did a fist bump or something. He's not talking. I guess they're talking about him and they're like, we love you, Joe. You're fantastic. We got some pudding and ice cream back there. Got a couple of young girls with long hair you can sniff. Maybe some kids to rub your uh, your leg hair. Stuff like that. Um, I can't tell. It doesn't look like he's wearing his aviators. I, I should put my glasses on here. It turned out he's not even surrounded by red coats. No, he's not wearing the aviators. I thought they were trying to make him look cool. I thought that was the whole thing. They went from the dark Brandon uh, PR campaign to, like, Joe Cool. Named after Snoopy, because that's what all the kids are all into nowadays. Have you heard of this Snoopy character? It's a dog. Yeah, it's a cartoon dog. Snoopy. Yeah. All all the rage. Kids love it. And Snoopy, there's like this alter ego of Snoopy, where he's got sunglasses and I think maybe like a leather jacket or something. And, um, I mean, he's a cartoon. And, uh, and he's Joe Cool. So that's what they're doing. Joe Cool. Joe Biden, Joe Cool. It's, it's for the kids. All right. So um, Joe Biden's America. Not only do we have people getting eaten by alligators, uh, but we have hundreds of thousands of, uh, quote, migrants. And I object to this term. This is not this is the constant uh, uh, word or language laundering, I guess, would be a good term for it. Language laundering that the left engages in. It started. Like when I was first a reporter getting started and uh, I was early, this would have been 98, 99. And um, the term was illegal alien because that was always the term. Yes, there were immigrants, but there was an assumption that when you just said immigrant, it meant people that came here from another country and they came here and they like checked in at Ellis Island. They went through the immigration process, right? They were immigrants. And we never even there was there was never even a, a bifurcation of the term. We never there was never illegal or legal immigration. We never I don't remember ever even talking about that. There was illegal aliens and then there were immigrants. That's because illegal alien indicated that you were not here legally. Hence the word illegal. 
But then the laundering begins, and we start getting the, the signs at the protests. No human is illegal. You know, or the little kids holding signs. I'm not an alien, you know. And we have to then come up with a different word, a euphemism. Because that word doesn't convey, I don't know, this sort of veneer of acceptability, right? This, this, this level of acceptance that we're supposed to have. And because they're, they're just people and they're escaping these places and that's the American story. So, um, okay, what I'm thinking, all right, well, what are these terms? Well, let's not use illegal alien. And honestly, when I saw the explanation, like the Associated Press said, we're not going to keep using this term illegal alien because it's somebody who's been adjudicated as such. And before you're adjudicated as such, then it would be like calling somebody a convict before they were actually convicted. And that made sense to me. So, The first term, though, was illegal immigrant. So that's what it went to. So it went from illegal alien versus immigrant, and then it became legal versus illegal. And then there was this conflation. They tried this little sleight of hand where they would chastise you for being opposed to illegal immigration, but make all of their arguments about legal immigration, right? And and they would conflate the two. This is a Mott and Bailey tactic, right, where they – uh, they 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 make a statement that is easily supported, that everybody agrees with, easily defended. Uh, and then when uh, people don't push back, then they run out and they're like, you know, hey, we need to just open the borders. And then people are like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Like, oh, I didn't say that. And then they retreat back to the Mott. So that's the Mott and Bailey strategy. They've been doing it for 20 years on this. Then they changed it to undocumented immigrant. Now they didn't like legal versus illegal. They got rid of that. Now it's just, I just don't have the paperwork. That's all. See, it's just a matter of paperwork. I totally have the paperwork, but it's in a uh, it's in a different pair, uh, pair of pants. I left it back home in another country, but I don't have the document. Oh, sorry. Did I do I not have that right document? Oh, I'm sorry. As if that's the issue. It's a lack of documentation. No, the lack of documentation indicates something. Indicates a status. The status of your residency, the status of your nationality, whether you're allowed to be here or not, like all of that. Okay, so then we go to undocumented immigrant, uh, and now apparently we've just dropped the undocumented part and the immigrant part, or at least the IM part of immigrant. Now we're just migrants. But all, all I remember about migrants were the migrant workers, people who would come across the border for a short period of time, six months, four months, whatever. They would come across the border. They would work on farms. And then they would go home. They were migrant workers, seasonal workers. And we had a whole program set up for it so people could come across the border. They could work. They could do it legally. They would not be taken advantage of it. And then we'd go home. So now everybody's just a migrant, I guess. Or the asylum seekers, too. Everybody's an asylum seeker. Everyone's a migrant. And now nobody is an undocumented immigrant. Nobody's even an immigrant anymore, let alone an illegal alien. Nobody is any of those things anymore even though they are really all of those things, right? But they're not. So we have better words for it now. Just words. So we have all of these folks coming from Venezuela who apparently have not been listening to Kamala Harris because, well, it's Kamala Harris. uh, And when she told them don't come, they did not listen. And instead, they're listening to like, oh, I don't know, all the cartels, all the media, all their relatives, Uh, that are in America, uh, that are telling them, hey, you could totally come across the border. No one's going to do anything. They'll let you in. And so they listen to those people. And then they get in. 
and then they're not kicked out. And now they're getting temporary work permits for five years. Not a couple months, not two years, as the current system was. Now it's five for folks coming in from Venezuela. It was announced uh, by the administration this week. The original idea of temporary protected status was to provide a legal humanitarian arrangement for aliens whose home country was subject to a hurricane, an earthquake, a little bit of famine. The key word was supposed to be temporary, but the status has become a favorite legal tool now of those who want to provide backdoor amnesty because the letter of the law allows endless extensions and ample stretching of the definitions. This is so classic left-wingism, isn't it? This is what leftists do. Whether it's election law, forgiveness of student loan debt, this that's what I mean. You guys keep pushing. You are not about the rule of law. That is obvious. You keep twisting these, these words and definitions and these laws. You keep twisting and you twist and you twist and you push and you push. You antagonize. You pick fights and then you, oh, I can't believe I'm in a fight. Sorry. Yeah, you're in a fight. You asked for it. You asked for the fight. You don't get to complain when it finds you or when you found what you were looking for. So this is how they're corrupting the, the law by corrupting the language. Venezuela's government has made it a basket case for a decade. It has not suddenly gotten worse to justify immediately granting relief and work permits to a population that sits somewhere between the size of Sacramento and Boston. We have imported Boston. What's that going to do? What do you think? What do you think that does to uh, wage the pressure on wages? Drive it up or down? What do you think? Uh, This is a message from Russ. He says, we had a young friend deploy to the border at the end of Trump's term. Instead of enforcement or deterrence, they just observed and reported. Then they started just aiding in processing illegals into the country. On inauguration day under Biden, they were totally sidelined and just hang out doing nothing for the remainder of their time there. If only we had a military with experience dealing with vastly superior numbers of opponents in a rough terrain theater. I don't know. Where would we go get that kind of? Yeah. Oh, this is okay. Yeah, I've heard this. uh, I've heard this uh, theory as well. It's not true. The uh, Frank Marshall Davis thing. He's not uh, Barack Obama's dad. I've, I've heard that, too. I don't believe that. Um. Uh, the uh, yeah, the Kenyan Obama scam dreamed up by his original birth certificate has no. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going down that path at all. I did all of that. I ran down that rabbit hole uh, back in '07 with a lot of you guys. No, no. And and by the way, you always got to keep in mind here. Um, this it, there's a. I've talked about this before, and because you've got the same Obama people around Biden right now, you always got to keep this in mind. I don't, I'm not saying this is the case in every instance, but there's a thing that the Obama team deployed called the stray voltage theory or strategy where stray voltage, which was the belief that in the political atmosphere, there's always a certain amount of energy floating around and you never know how it's going to end up as a shock, right? Like a, like you're walking across the living room in your sweater and you touch the doorknob and you know, but the stray voltage strategy is to say, you know what? 
Let's direct the shock someplace else so we can do this other thing over here. And they literally spelled this out to Major Garrett, the reporter. They said this. So I forget, uh, Robbie, whatever, Mook, was that his name? Yeah, one one of Obama's guys. He described that this was the strategy that they employed. So while everybody's running around saying all the crazy stuff about the birth certificate, they then get everybody to sound crazy, and then they get to dismiss you. That's a strategy. And if you think that, oh, they have this elaborate grand conspiracy that they're able to enact that kind of a, a conspiracy, why would they not be able to do it to make you look like a fool? Right? If, you, if they're capable of creating and implementing a conspiracy of that magnitude, they would be obviously able to make one up and not actually have to do it and just make you believe it. They just put the information out there. Because remember where it came from, the whole birtherism stuff came from, right? The Hillary camp, right? All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. There is uh, another piece here at National Review by Wilfred Riley along the same lines. Just a couple of sentences from this one from the other or from yesterday, actually. Mass illegal immigration isn't some unstoppable force of nature like the weather. We could prevent much or most of it fairly easily by exercising basic will and common sense. Continuing mass immigration is often treated as inevitable, but it clearly is not. Walls around the edges of what one owns have been an element of national security policy going back to, like, ancient China. Mexico herself has a heavily and effectively fortified southern border that is frequently described as walled. Did you know that? 143-mile-long steel fence recently constructed along Israel's borders cut illegal migration by 99%. There is essentially no doubt that constructing similar hard barriers just under America combined with equally simple policies uh, like mandating the adoption of E-Verify software by U.S. employers would have a similar effect on migration rates here. How are we at a point where that's where where the corporations haven't been slammed yet on this stuff? Republicans, you guys still are you still lining up with the with the big corporate special interests on this thing? Illegal immigrants from a modern welfare state are prohibited uh, prohibitively. Sorry, illegal immigrants for a modern welfare state are prohibitively expensive, according to the Center for Immigration Studies. 63% of all recent immigrant households benefit from one or more of 
the USA's buffet of welfare programs. Did you know that? 63% of all recent immigrant households. That includes SNAP. Uh, that includes WIC. SNAP is the what used to be called food stamps. Um, there's uh, the women, infants, children, uh, supplemental nutrition for them. Uh, there's uh, uh, Medicaid, Section 8 housing. Um, Riley goes on to say it's worth briefly noting here that while the old canard that immigrants can't get welfare is still often correct, the American policy of birthright citizenship means that all U.S.-born children of immigrants, including the kids of two illegal aliens, are legal citizens who qualify as beneficiaries for all those programs. Per the old first safe country principle, remember this? If you are seeking asylum in America and you're escaping racial or political violence in your own country, you have a duty to seek safe harbor in the first stable nation that you enter into once you flee yours. A Venezuelan driven north by civil unrest would pass through Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Guatemala, probably Belize, and then Mexico. Maybe even a couple other states thrown in. Before getting to the home of the brave, you could stop in any one of those other countries and live in relative safety compared to where you were fleeing, right? Illegal immigrants do not do that, and they do it for a very good reason. Almost all of them are, in fact, job-seeking economic migrants who, right, they... Who has ever previously seen a group of self-proclaimed refugees with almost no women or children or old men in it? I made this observation the other day. I was watching the video, and I'm like, I don't see any women in these videos. There are no kids. It's all working-age men. Why? They're coming to work. They're coming to work. And then what happens, by the way, when they work and they make their cash under the table, then what do they do with the money? They send a lot of it home. Do you realize we're supporting entire economies, right? I wonder, does Mexico completely collapse economically if they don't get the billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars in remittances that go back there? A lot of Republicans are going to see this as a step towards amnesty, this temporary permit status. A lot of Democrats are less likely to see it as a step towards uh, that, but more like adding half a million Latino voters that'll totally vote for us. You might want to rethink that, though, Democrats, because according to a poll conducted in August by the University of North Florida for El Diario, Venezuelans considered Trump and the GOP better allies than Biden and the Democrats in the cause for Venezuelan democracy. That's the thing about Venezuelans. They can tell a commie. The vast majority opposed negotiations and supported the military option that Trump put on the table to deal with Maduro. The result? Two-thirds of Floridian Venezuelans said they would vote for Donald Trump in the November election. That was from 2020, by the way. And that was part of a report about Magazuelans, they call them. (laughs) From the North American Congress on Latin America, they did some big study about MAGA-loving Venezuelans. Decisions about whether to grant temporary legal status and work visas ought to be based on the law. But if there's a domestic political consideration at work behind the scenes... The Biden folks might just be misjudging it just a wee bit. Just a smidge. 
And then there is Louis C.K. Remember him? Yeah. Kind of funny in an awkward sort of way, and then like in a then in a gross kind of way, everybody became aware of what a scuzzball he was. And and then he like totally like apologized. And he wasn't he was like a full on me too kind of thing, but he was like a he was like a pervy, gross, I don't want to see that kind of me too sort of thing. And then he so he disappeared for a while, they canceled his movie and some special or whatever, and he got yeah. So he got me too'd for a while, but now apparently there's some rehab going on for him or something. He appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day. And he has some thoughts about illegal immigration and all of the migrants and all. He has some thoughts on it. They're not good thoughts. They're not cogent. I expect a lot more from him. I've been told that Louis C.K. has this brilliant mind and he's this brilliant comedian. And uh, I never really got that. I mean, okay, yeah, he's kind of like, oh, hey, I get it. You know, that, that was always his kind of humor with me. He was never a, a comedian that made me laugh out loud. Very few LOLs for me, for Louis C.K. Um, this, definitely not an LOL moment. At first, I thought maybe he was trying to be funny, but then it quickly becomes obvious he's not. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Comedian Louis C.K. was on the uh, Joe Rogan podcast uh, the other day. And, uh, well, here's what he said about all of the uh, massive amounts of people that are coming across the border. My feeling is they should open it, the border, and just let them pour in, let everybody pour in. And and then the answer, which is, well, then there will be all these problems. Yes, there should be. It shouldn't be so great here, is what I'm saying. In America, it shouldn't be. It's a weird thing to sequester a certain group of people and try to keep upping their lifespan and their lifestyle and just keep trying to increase that for this group of people. And then everyone's and then this pressure of people trying to come in so they can enjoy it. Uh, and then it gets worse and worse down here. I mean, I'm not Canada. It's really just from down here. Uh, there's something wrong with that. That's not a system that's working. And it forces people to do cruel things to other people. There's a lot of people that die so Americans can be safe. Mm. They're just dying, you know, weddings that are drone bombed in Yemen because a guy said something that might have resulted in American insecurity. Not even like definite American deaths, but like just so we can breathe a little easier. Folks die. And folks do labor in unsafe places so that we can keep the prices where we like them. There's so much about American life that other people pay for. That's part of it. But also, it's not good for us either. It's not a good way to live in a gated community, you know? If if you let folks pour in, like any other wave, it'll kind of slosh. And then you all just, things will be different. 
I, I don't know, like, there. what'll really happen? A bunch of people, like, will they just come with knives and start <laughs> killing everybody? I don't think so. But maybe. Have you heard what the cartels do in some of their controlled areas? I've heard not good things. Um, it shouldn't be so great here. That's what he says. It shouldn't be so great here. So in Louis C.K., so this is a zero-sum, this is a... Uh, a, a fixed-sized pie perspective, right? That's what he's articulating. That if that the the world only has a pie that's so big, and so if we take a bigger slice, then everybody else gets a smaller slice. That's his philosophy. That's what that's what that is right there. He cannot fathom the idea that the pie gets bigger and smaller. It actually fluctuates. It grows and it shrinks. He also doesn't understand, obviously, that there is no other system on the face of the earth that has lifted more people out of abject poverty than free market capitalism. This American experiment has shown the way. That's the thing. We don't, when they started this country, they didn't know this was going to work. They didn't know it was going to work. This was an experiment. That's why with the 50 states, laboratories of democracy, right, try stuff, see what works and what doesn't work, discard. But that's the key. You have to discard the stuff that doesn't work. And if a society outside of America looks at America and says, hey, let's do something like that because it seems to be working all right for them, they can do it. And many have. And that's why you have, this, as a percentage, you have fewer people in poverty now than at any time in the existence of the human race. I think that's, I don't know, I think that's a pretty good achievement. But see, he doesn't see it as that. If he thinks that uh, he, he thinks that if we've got a high standard of living, then everybody else must have a low one. He's getting kind of close to the Trumpish bleep hole comment there, isn't he? Right. But this idea then is is piggybacked with essentially white guilt. That's the other layer going on. So he's got this economic viewpoint that is single pie size. But also then this guilt, this American, this white male guilt, I guess, right? That he's he's trying to virtue signal. Maybe the Me Too thing broke his, you know, broke him on this, and but maybe he was like it before. But I've you know somebody's like, oh, he's joking. I don't know. I guess like he could have been trying to get liberals to go along with them on this stuff, and then like, aha, see, don't you realize how stupid this sounds? Like, no, we got to all have a crumbling country. Like, no, but he's, I don't think he's joking. That wasn't a bit. This was him actually articulating a viewpoint that we shouldn't have it so good because other people have it bad. So we should just let everybody, I guess, from all over the world. Have you ever seen the gumball video? The gumball, yeah, where the guy takes the gumballs and each gumball represents a million people. And he's got all the different gumballs, all different colors from all these different countries, and, and then he pours them into these jars. And you can see very quickly, there's literally too many people on the planet to all fit here. <laughs> and so what, what then? What do you do if there's all these people that want to come? How many do you take? Is there a value to acculturation, to assimilation, right? Or do you just bring people in and let them create their own countries in America? Do you allow for that? Or is there something about America that you would very much like for people to adopt before they enter so as to prolong and preserve 
this experiment that we're operating. What do you think? And there's nothing racial or ethnic or, or, or cultural about that. It's just simply saying, this is the experiment. How do you keep it going? Do you, do you bring in, I don't know, a billion people? Why not a billion people? There's like, what, 8 billion on the planet? Can we take a billion? Let's take a billion. Legal, whatever, illegal, like I'm not even interested in that part of it. I'm just simply asking about a, uh, an ability to absorb into the economy, into the infrastructure, into homes. I mean, stuff as fundamental as that, right? These, you're going to take in a billion people, anybody that can get in, for as long as, I don't know, Biden's in office, then what? We, I, I told you the story earlier, you've got uh, hundreds of people sleeping on the floor in hotel bars in New York City because they got evicted from their free city-paid-for hotel rooms. But they can't leave. They don't have anywhere to go. They don't have any jobs. So we're going to give them jobs. Okay. They're going to have a place to live? Not yet. Right? So do you th- we already have a... Uh, affordable housing crisis in America. What do you think this does to it? Can we absorb these numbers? Just practically speaking. 888-900-3393.